Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. And I just want to say Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) You know, people right now might be preparing dinner. They might be wrapping presents. If they're wrapping them, they're in a frenzy, which is surely (laughs) my situation. I'm always a last minute frenzied wrapper. Are you? I'm a last-minute frenzied rapper, but can I give you a pro tip before we delve into even more of a, a Christmas conversation? Yes. I bought years ago a massive roll of brown craft paper. Very good. From Amazon. It came Very to good. my house, Marjorie, and the doggone thing weighed about 150 pounds. Oh, my God. I've been using it ever since, and I use it actually as tablecloths. When I do like a kid's table so oh, the kids can that. draw when I cover up like our, you know, our little plastic folding yeah. table. I use it as a tablecloth. I use it for all of my wrapping. And then I just commit to different ribbons and I buy cheap little cute ornaments to use at, or I reuse ornaments to That's use good. as for the gifts. And it has been the greatest decision of my life because it totally simplifies everything. And what I love about that is I've been reading a lot about how much waste there is at Christmas. Just we create a lot of garbage at Christmas. I'm very in the sustainable mode. I'm with you. And what I love about the craft paper is that's probably very, that probably decomposes very easily. Yeah. And it's recyclable. You can and just it's recyclable. It yeah. That is perfect. Easy well, breezy. What we, what we wanted to talk about just this morning was a little bit about the imperfect Christmas. So if right now you're preparing for Christmas and you're totally stressed out I want to share with you the beauty of the imperfect Christmas. Yes. But before I do that, I want to ask you, Elizabeth, have you ever had a perfect Christmas? Oh, gosh. No. See? No. Nobody has. No. Nobody has. I mean, I have, So you just need to relax. I have wonderful memories of Christmas growing up. And my mom really went to a lot of effort to make Christmas very special for us. And I remember that. And so... I love that very much. That being said, I now understand how overwhelmed she probably was. Was. And how it probably wasn't that fun for her. (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) And I think that's a a really important thing to remember is you want to make sure that the memories are sweet and that they're not filled with tension or with problems. And I was thinking, I was trying to think back if I had ever had a perfect Christmas. And when, when the boys were little... I loved a big tree. I loved decorating our house. I really loved doing all of those things. And when it got to a point where I just couldn't do it in the way that I was used to doing, or I also felt like nobody was really appreciating what I was doing because they weren't asking for it, I toned it way back. Okay. And I think that's part of it, too, is that if you're doing it for you, that's great. Keep doing it for you. But if it's causing you tension... Because you think it's what has to be done and nobody's expecting of you except you, stop doing it. I mean, we have a very tiny Christmas tree this year in in our house here in Phoenix because nobody really cares about it but me. Yeah. 
And so I bought a rosemary bush at Whole Foods. Good idea. Which is about, which is about three feet tall. And I put uh, about 12 of my favorite decorations on it and wrapped some velvet around it and threw some ornaments around that. And it's quite lovely. Oh, I bet it it's smells amazing. And you can use it to it cook. Does. I, it it's it does smell amazing, but I also wanted to share, and I want to hear from you too, is a quick little story about the about imperfections, and it's one of my favorite memories of decorating the tree with my sons when they were little, little, and I remember when Campbell was decorating the tree with us, and I love glass blown ornaments. Yeah, I just beautiful. think they're pretty. They're just what I like, and it's usually we only have bears. And balls on our Christmas tree. So every year we buy a bear ornament. Cute. And so that's all there is. And it sort of limits what you bring into the house because it's like, okay, we only have bears. So it's bears and balls. And Campbell was probably three or four years old and he dropped one of the ornaments. Yeah. And he looked at me like, because I treat them as if they're precious. And I and he just looked at me like, oh my God, I'm going to be in so much trouble. And I just looked at him and was like, that's fine. How did that feel? <laughs> and he sort of laughed. And then it sort of became our tradition that he got to smash one glass ornament a year. No way. That's hilarious. Seems wasteful. I know. But I just let him take one of the sort of the cheap glass balls, you know, that you buy in the big box where you can get like 20 of them. For sure. And he just cracks one a year. He stopped doing it when he was like in sixth grade. So this doesn't go on now. He's not 26 years old still Mom, smashing ornaments. where's my ornament <laughs> to where's smash? Ornament? But it was just one of those things that I think we can – Think of our Christmas things as overly precious. And it just was this really funny tradition that we did for a couple of years that just set the tone that we're not making the perfect tree. It's not the perfect scene. Sometimes things break. You and, know, I, and I loved that. I love that you're saying that it was a tradition for a couple of years. And when I think about the imperfect Christmas, I think about the idea of not holding too tightly to traditions. Yes. Because I think traditions are wonderful and beautiful. And it's uh, great to kind of establish those memories. But at the same time, I think there's so something really dangerous about traditions, which is we can do things just because we've done them that way and we feel yeah. like we have to do them because we've done them that way. And then it becomes like this total festering pot of resentment and stress. And I really think there's a fine line. Very easy to go over the line. And so what I think about when it comes to the imperfect Christmas is really examining your tradition every year and just mm -hmm. sort of having a little conversation with yourself and with your loved ones about, is this working for us? Is this not going to work for us? For a few years in my family, we did these amazing themed Christmas dinners. So mm. this was when we were in our 20s. So this wasn't established until we were in our 20s and we would have a theme. So one year we did a German Christmas theme. Oh, so wow. we made pretzels from scratch, dunked oh. them in a lye solution and then oh baked God. them in the oven. My dad made German potato salad. We had all these traditional German things. And then my mom gets like German, I don't know, like she'll find out cool little German traditions right. and then we would do them at the table. We did a Cuban Christmas one year. So we had Cubanos and like plantains, like I all these amazing this. foods. And it was really fun. It was super fun, Marjorie, until one of us had a baby. And that person yeah. was my sister. She had a baby. And we quickly realized that this type of Christmas dinner just wasn't going no. to work, that Let the season go. was over. And so it was a little bit sad because we loved it. It was that kind of special time where mm -hmm. we were all home. Everybody was adults. So it was just all adults at the table. And you yeah. could just lounge and have wine for hours and yeah. have these like glorious, luxurious dinners. But 
I can really see the idea of like continuing that tradition and putting that pressure on it would have ruined it for us. Right. Instead, we just have really lovely memories of doing that for a few years. And then the idea that someday we'll get back to it. Yeah, it'll come back that it doesn't have to be an every year thing in order for it to be a beautiful tradition. I love that you said you said that the season was gone. The season was done. Yeah. And I do think that that that's a beautiful way to look at those kinds of traditions. In our family, the tradition for my pretty much my whole life into my 20s was our whole family would go to midnight mass. And then the kids came. Yeah. And that is just really hard. I know, because what, so, that's very unreasonable. It is unreasonable. And so we stopped. And that those days will come back if I choose them to come back. But we let go of that tradition. And it had been an – I mean, that was that was one of my strongest Christmas memories was uh, was Midnight Mass. But we let it go. I really – The season was done. I also think there's something – nice about not putting too much pressure on yourself when it comes to gifts. And this realization happened for me when I looked back and was remembering Christmases of my childhood and realizing that I only remember one specific gift. Hmm. So I do remember that we got Santa bears every year from Dayton's and I loved those. But I remember the year that we went to church on Christmas Eve. So in our family, my dad was a Lutheran minister. So we had to go to church at like noon and then be right. there until like 10. Oh. <gasps> so um, <laughs> that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. But while that was happening for pastor's families, I don't know, kids, if you know this, but if you are lucky enough to be born into a pastor's family, Santa comes while you're at Christmas Eve church and then he goes to all of the other homes overnight. So interesting. That is so Santa would come while we were at church and we would come home. We came home from church when I was in the fourth grade. And we bounded down the stairs. We had a split level, a little split level house in Apple Valley. And we bounded down the stairs, which is where the Christmas tree was. And I saw this huge box in the center of the room and a huge bow on it. And on the inside, from the inside of the box, I heard, meow, meow, And my mom said, go to the box. Santa was here. Go to the box. Open the box. And we went over and we all looked inside. Three little girls. We peered inside and there were two tiny kittens in the box. Oh, that's the best. One was black with white little paws and a white little nose and a black beauty mark. And the other one was white with fluffy hair with a little gray streak down his head. And Santa brought us kittens. It was the greatest Christmas of my life. I will never forget it. It was so amazing that we got these kittens. And it's the only Christmas that I can remember the feeling, the the everything. You know what I mean? That it was sort of, that it was magical. It was this magical yeah. moment. I remember yeah. the color of the box. I remember like opening, it was like time stopped and slowed down. So Aww. the point of this is that that was a magical, amazing Christmas. And all of the other stuff that we got while well, I had wonderful Christmases growing up, right. this, besides that, the stuff didn't really matter as much as like the feeling and the experience and the time together. Well, let me make a quick transition from that. When you say the stuff really didn't matter and tell you about the Christmas of the forgotten gift. Oh boy. Where just one piece of stuff would have mattered. Oh no. First year, I just had Gar. So I had him in September. So I was a new mom. So you were probably like 26 something? I was 26. 
we had driven up to Chicago for Christmas because at this point we were still trying to gather the families together. Oh gosh, yeah. And when we you let go of having, that, it feels so great. Yeah, we like we let go. So it's crazy. I've got a new baby. We're trying to get to Chicago. I think we are living. Yeah, we were living in Nashville at the time. And so I had had all these great plans about what I was going to get my husband. I think in in my head, I was going to get him this really cool leather jacket. And then that sort of fell through. And then I was going to get him something else. And then that fell through. And then I stopped thinking about it. (laughs) Because you were exhausted. All together. And so my whole family's gathered. We're doing all of the gifts. I, you know, I have three older sisters. We're there. They were all married, I think, except one. So big family. We do all the gifts. And we get to the end, and Ian's looking at me like, nothing? Oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm getting nothing? Oh, no. Completely forgot to get him something. Oh, my gosh, Marjorie Punnett. I know. You probably felt so... very bad. Oh, very, very bad. Because you can say, oh, I thought about getting you this. Oh, I thought about getting you that. <laughs> oh, I meant But it's to. not really the thought that counts in that situation. That's <laughs> a lie. I, and I proved it. I proved that it's not the thought that counts. It, it was so, so horrible. And he was very sweet about it because I was a very tired new mother. But it was horrible. I mean, I had, I mean, there was nothing. Not a stocking stuffer, not an anything. And I remember gifts for everybody else. Oh, my gosh. It was horrible. That it was horrible. It's very funny. So, yes. Yeah, so that, that, that was an imperfect Christmas. And I just have to share one more thing with you. So we're speaking about imperfect Christmases. And when my son Gar was in sixth grade, he inexplicably was chosen to do the solo at the Christmas show. Oh, At wonderful. the holiday show. Oh, surprising. Very surprising. (laughs) Very, very surprising and quite frightening, actually. And so being the type A mother that I was, I was very concerned because I was not hearing him practice. And we had a little fight because I wanted it to be perfect because it was going to be public. You are not going to embarrass me. I get it. And so, yeah, you would get this. <laughs> so having done this, you would understand. So I kept nagging him. Why aren't you practicing? I'm not hearing you practicing. Because at this point, I don't even realize, like, my son is in sixth grade. He has a choir director. That's her job, not my job. And he kept saying to me, I'm fine, Mom. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, in, in the way that a sixth grade boy would. So I said to I looked at him. I said, you know what? Fine. You're on your own. Whatever happens, happens. There are consequences for not practicing. <laughs> All of that. So we get to the church, and Ian and I are sitting there. And now, and I really did let go, let go completely. Never heard, never heard him humming once in the house. Never heard anything. So we're sitting there with friends of ours, and we're all looking at each other like, "Yeah, this would be interesting." How's it gonna go? How's it gonna go? And this is how it went. And I'm only gonna play like two seconds. So you can hear the oh first my gosh. note. You have it. I do. Here we go. Keep it going. Go more. We want a little more. Do you? Okay. Yes. Okay, here you go. Okay, perfection. Absolute perfection. (laughs) Not a wavering note. Not a tiny bit off pitch. So the voice of an angel. Oh my gosh! So what I expected to be imperfect to teach him a lesson 
was perfect because I stayed out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, Marjorie, it is so good. And listen, that idea of the imperfect Christmas certainly extends to all of us here at Best of the Nest. And by all of us, I mean just you and me, because this is a two woman show. (laughs) And then to all of you listening that imperfect is okay and that you are enough. I mean, that's really the bottom line of this whole of this whole podcast. I mean, we're striving to achieve something beautiful in our home, which really means being okay with who you are, you are. and Absolutely. what you have. I mean, it it really is lovely. What a journey this has been. We're not ending the podcast, by the way. No, we're not. We're, we're going to keep going. This isn't like a last episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. If you have a moment, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And so many of you have... And so I have a little review for all of you. Oh, you're reviewing our listeners. I'm reviewing them. And I think they're lovely. Okay. From Marjorie Punnett at (laughs) bestofthenest.com. Yes. You are lovely. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you for all of the kind words this year. They mean so much to us. Very good. Please keep reaching out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at bestofthenest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. We have some fun things coming in the new year. And we hope that your nests are warm and cozy on this Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.